I'm wrapping up our series that we've been in called 40, The Space Between. What we're talking about is um, this season, this in-between season that's a waiting period. It's a struggle. It's the confusing time between what God has promised you and then when it comes to fruition. And we've talked about so far, Goliath, who stood in front of the Israelites for 40 days. Then we talked about Israelites who wandered in the wilderness, not for 40 days, for 40 years. It's a long time. And then we also talked about Moses and Elijah and Jesus, some incredible men who fasted for 40 days straight, which is wild. From them, we've learned a lot of things. Like how to recognize that the enemy is going to attack identity. He's going to go straight to the core. Because he's trying to, trying to hit you where it hurts. And so we got to keep our eyes open for that. We also have to pay attention to the victories. We have to recount the, the rescues, the things that God has done in our life. So that we remember that he's still doing those things now. We learned that sometimes things can become difficult, and often it is in this season, okay? This is a difficult season if you're in your 40, not your 40s, but your 40, your season of 40. And when it gets difficult, sometimes we go back to the familiar. But if we don't trust God and step into what he has promised, then we miss that. Sometimes we sabotage that when we lack that trust. Things can be unclear in this time, but the thing is we need trust before clarity comes, right? The sustenance before the legacy and then the preparation comes before the promise, which leads us into what we're talking about today. Our 40 days that we are focusing on are the 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. He's like moving up the elevator from ground, no, underground level. Then he's sticking around here on earth for a little bit for these 40 days before he goes up to level H in heaven. Ascending to heaven. These are Jesus' last moments with his disciples. All right, this is a time of preparation that comes before the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're looking forward to. We have this transition that's happening from Jesus and his ministry with his disciples now to the beginning of the church. All right, so this is the time that's happening between that. And as we talked about last week, you know how it's a process before the event. This is the process before the birth of the church. How cool. It's pretty awesome. So we're going to look first at Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. This is just like an introduction. Like, what are we getting ourselves into? Okay? This is what we have to look forward to. After his suffering, this is Jesus. He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So 
He's going to prove to his disciples that he is alive, okay? He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. He's going to talk about the kingdom of God, okay? And then on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, to unpack this effectively, we have to take into consideration all of the Gospels because they all talk about this period. And just like those of us that have been speaking, these guys all have a different perspective. And as they're writing, they pick up on different things or decide to include different things. So when we look at all of them together, then we can piece together the whole story, right? But we don't have time to read all of that today, although I'd love to. So I'm going to give you the chapters that you can read. Do I have any note takers in the house? Let's go. Less than the coffee, but that's okay. Y'all are my people. I'm always taking notes in the front row. All right, so here are the chapters that we can look at later on. Y'all, in your daily 20, you're like, what do I read this week? I got you. Okay, Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Mark 16. Luke 24. John 20 and 21, and then Acts, it's not a gospel, it's a continuation of the story, Acts 1, okay? In these few chapters, we find all of this rich goodness, and it is awesome. So I encourage you to look it up on your own, because here's the deal. I mean, I hope what I'm about to tell you is, like, awesome, but when you discover it for yourself, that's when it sticks. And that's why we talk about this so often, because I can tell you a lot of things. Pastor Randy can tell you a lot of things, but it doesn't really bring transformation to your life until you are the one who's doing it. Let's go, Daily 20. Okay, now we're going to get into our scriptures here. <laughs> and... Um, this first passage is a long one. Okay, so read along with me. We got it on the screen here. If you're reading it in your actual Bible, amazing, or on your phone. But as you're reading along, I want you to picture what is happening, okay? So you're not just looking at words. You're like pretending that we're making the chosen before they've even created this scene, okay? But in our minds. All right, so here we go. Luke 24, 1 through 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly, Two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. 
be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Oh yeah, Jesus said that. When they came back from the tomb, they told all of these things to the 11, to the disciples and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself, what happened All right, I have a side note before we even get into this. We often think about Jesus and his disciples as like the 13 bros who did life together. But, you know, like Jesus and the 12. All right, so yes, it was them, but there was actually more in his crew, okay? There were more people. And there were some prominent disciples who were actually Women, By prominent, I mean, like, we read their names multiple times in the scriptures. So Mary Magdalene and Joanna are two of them, okay, that we just read about. Who Joanna, by the way, is the wife of Herod's business manager, all right? Like, dang, girl, okay. <laughs> and they are brought up earlier in Luke. Like, we see them more than once. All right, they're brought up along with other women who are wealthy enough to financially support Jesus and his disciples. Did you know that? The women, if you read, they stayed with Jesus through the crucifixion. They prepared oils and spices for his burial. The only reason they didn't do it right away is because then Sabbath timing. Anyway, so they woke up the next day and they were ready to take care of Jesus even in his death. And because of that, they were then in the place where they were the first ones to see the empty tomb. And then to hear the news that Jesus had risen. How cool is that? In Mark and John, in those Gospels, we read that Mary Magdalene was actually the first one to encounter Jesus after he resurrected. He revealed himself to her. And throughout scripture, we see incredible encounters that Jesus has with women. And then he empowers them to go tell other people about it. And this is just a side note because I hope that everyone, as you're reading, we all see ourselves as disciples and we understand that the gospel is for everyone, men and women, poor and wealthy, those who have authority and those that do not. And we are all, we all have the responsibility to share the good news. So back to the story. Okay. So the disciples, they did not believe what the women had to say. Now, there is a very valid point that the testimony of women at this point in history didn't matter very much. It didn't hold very much weight. Okay, so that's a possibility when you're reading this, uh, looking at it. But also, 
we don't really know for sure. So let's just take into consideration everything that we know. All right, because when we're reading passages, we need to look at what happens before and what happens after, right? That's how we get the whole context. And so if we think about what happened before, all right, so they're at the Last Supper, and Jesus is hes telling the disciples how he's going to die and how he's going to come back to life. But you know how Jesus, like, often talked in parables? And sometimes he would then explain the meaning, and then sometimes he wouldn't. And sometimes he would say things, and the disciples only knew what was going on when they would later look back. In the moment, they were confused. So Jesus is talking, he's speaking with all this revelation that the disciples did not have. So he's saying, hey, I'm going somewhere that you cannot go. And they're taking it literally. They're like, wait, Jesus, where are you going? Why, why are we not invited? You know, and so they're missing it. So they are not prepared for Jesus' death, okay? They are just ready to go to Passover. Like it's a holiday weekend, you know? And then all of a sudden, like, their mentor's being arrested. But it doesn't end there. Like, they're confused because he's kind of, like, giving himself up. And they're like, should we fight? I don't know. Okay, we're going to go along with this. But he doesn't only just go to trial. I mean, he's beaten. He dies the most gruesome death. That is traumatic for anyone to see. But then you consider that that is their friend. Really, he's more than a friend. He is their family. And he's their teacher. Like, he is their way of life, guys. They dropped everything to follow him. So now, if he's gone, what, what do they do? And then there's a whole other layer of Jesus is the Messiah, and they believed that, but they still believe that the Messiah is going to restore the kingdom of Israel. And so if Jesus died, that means he didn't fulfill all of the things. So is Jesus even who he says he is? Every single thing that they knew now is upside down. Like, they don't even know what to think about themselves. What's their identity? What's their job? What do they do? They're grieving because their friend is dead. Um, Peter, by the way, in the last moments, spent um, that time denying that he even knew who Jesus was. So can you imagine the guilt that is weighing on him on top of everything else? So they are grieving, and they're overwhelmed. So whatever the reason, I mean, there's a lot to process. Like, we got to give it to them, okay? It's all sudden. And then just as suddenly, the ladies come in, and you know how ladies are. And like, oh, yeah, this, and then that. Yeah, and I know this, and I know. Wait, wait, it's gone. Like, like lightning. I know. Wait, fancy clothes. I know. He's gone. He's gone. He's not there. Wait, wait, what? No, there's a giant stone and they sealed it and there's multiple guards. Like there is no way anyone's getting in and anyone's getting out. Like it doesn't make sense. 
when we find ourselves in a place like that, like the disciples, it doesn't make sense. Everything's unclear. And to be honest, it's dark. Jesus renews hope. Because whether or not the disciples decided to believe the ladies at that time, they were telling the truth. He had risen. He rose from the dead, and this changed everything. Because the resurrection, it is, it established the foundation of the gospel. Sin and death have now been defeated. Everything that they were worried about, like the resurrection gives validity to Christ and his ministry and all the things that he said about himself. Now we know that we can trust him. It's the proof of his atoning work, which means that we are made right with God. We are forgiven. We have a new life, a spiritual life in Christ. And ultimately, because he raised from the dead, we know that we will triumph over death as well. We have assurance that we will live with him in heaven. The resurrection, it generates confidence for us in every situation that we face. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we know that he reigns above all. And that power that, that, power that he had that raised him from the dead, that's the power that we have to live our Christian lives. That gives us hope. We don't have to stay in that place that we're at. This life isn't all that there is. We have hope because of the resurrection. The disciples, they lost everything when they lost Jesus. But he shows back up on the scene. So now they have something to believe in again. And he can do that for you too. So Jesus, in this time, in this 40 days, we're not going to read today, but you will read that he spends a lot of time appearing to his followers in order to reassure them that he has, in fact, risen. Because it is a lot to take in. So sometimes you'll read that they're like, wait, is this a ghost? And so he appears again. Hey, guys, he appears multiple times. He appears to multiple people. He says, hey. Feel the holes in my hand and my feet. Touch them. He wants them to be completely confident that the resurrection was real. He needs them to do that. Because these eyewitnesses are not only, and yes, it's important for them to see him. It's important for them to believe that he is raised from the dead. But because of their eyewitness and their record in the Bible, now we know that he has resurrected. That's our proof. And also, our proof is that the disciples' lives have changed. It wasn't just information that they received. It moved them to transformation. So what else happens when we find ourselves in a season that's unclear like this? 
Jesus also reveals truth in his word. And this is where the transformation comes from. So in Luke, there's another story. There's two followers that are walking to this town of Emmaus. They're coming from Jerusalem. And they're discussing all the recent events. All right? And as they're intently discussing, Jesus just appears out of nowhere and jumps in the combo. He's like, sup, guys? What are you talking about? They're like, bro, like, you don't know? You haven't heard? He's like, sorry? They're like, all the things that have been happening to this guy, Jesus, and we follow him. And then, well, we thought he was going to rescue us, but then he died, so then he can't. But then all these ladies said he's alive. And so, okay. And then Jesus says in verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, the funny part is that this whole time, they didn't realize that they were talking about Jesus to Jesus. They didn't recognize him. So, but they're like, what? This is crazy. They're looking at the scripture. So they invite him to dinner. And then as they're sitting down to dinner, and Jesus breaks bread. And all of a sudden, it dawns on them, oh, my word, it's Jesus. And then Jesus disappears, like he's gone. So we don't know how long they were going to stay there. We do know that they planned to at least spend the night. But those plans changed because immediately they went to Jerusalem, they went back, and they found the other disciples, and they're like, guys, it's real, he has risen, we saw him, he's alive. And while they're there with all of the disciples, then Jesus again appears out of nowhere. And now he's with everyone there. And verse 41 is my fave. It says, still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. literally it says, Jesus is like, so, do you have anything to eat? And so they give him a snack, and then they're just like watching him eat. Like, they can't believe that he is standing right in front of them, which is hilarious. Anyways, verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Yo, Jesus himself has given us daily 20 homework, okay? Which, I mean, it's kind of the whole Old Testament, so it's a lot. But if you want to write that down in your notes, Law of Moses, Prophets, and the Psalms, we can look at all of these prophecies about himself. But Jesus, like, I mean, he says it. This is what I told you while I was still with you. 
Jesus has been preaching this stuff for three years. He told the disciples over and over again who he is. But now that he demonstrated the power through the resurrection, the fulfillment of all of these prophecies is complete. And so they heard all the scriptures for years, but now they've come alive. This light bulb goes off. And they're like, the story of scripture is all connected. God has had a redemptive plan from the beginning of time. I mean, does that mean creation and the beginning of civilization and, you know, captivity and then deliverance from that captivity and then wandering in the wilderness, the writing of the law, kings and kingdoms and covenants and promises. What's crazy is that all of that, Everything that has happened beforehand, it's like it's all a giant 40 season. And it's all the pre preparation and the struggle and the processing and the growing and the working towards the promise of Jesus. And they see that now in the scripture. They also, it's here that they understand that Jesus, he is the Messiah, but he's not coming to establish an earthly kingdom, but a spiritual one that cannot be destroyed. And yes, he had to suffer before he could enter into his glory. And it's a glory different than what they thought before. And then what's cool is if we read ahead, we see this new revelation um, come to light in Acts because Peter, then he's using the Old Testament scriptures to inform his leadership amongst the believers. There's something that they have to do. And he's like, guys, this is what we're doing because this is what the scripture says, you know? And then we also see that at Pentecost, when he gives his big sermon, he's using multiple times references to these scriptures and these prophecies. And now he knows what's going on. He's like, this is the guy. And this is the truth that you need to know. When was the last time that you had a revelation in scripture? Because sometimes we complain that God doesn't speak to us or that we can't hear him. But he's constantly speaking. And we can listen anytime we pick up our Bible and read it. It's him talking to us. Maybe today you needed to hear that all the scripture points to Jesus. That God loved you so much that he planned from the beginning of time that he was going to send his son as a sacrificial lamb and make you right with him that he cared so much about his relationship with you, that he planned all of that before creation. Or maybe there's something else that you're going through and you just need a word from the Lord. Or maybe, literally, you're lost and you would accept anything at this point. Open your Bible and ask God for a fresh revelation in the scripture. 
you know, in our season, when we're in this season of preparation and transition, Jesus reminds us of the mission. So in John 21, it's called the epilogue that they title it here. The disciples, okay, so this is, they've seen Jesus. They know that he's back. This is now going to be the third time that he shows up to these guys. And the disciples, they're going fishing, okay? So this is kind of a moment where, you know how we talked about going back to the familiar? You're going back to the things that we know. And um, so they're fishing, and they're not catching anything. And Jesus tells them to, you know, throw out your net, guys. And, like, they know it's Jesus. So they're like, okay, well, let's do it. They throw out their net, and then all of a sudden, (laughs) they can't even pull it all in, everything that they've caught. Which is kind of cool, because this is like a nod to when Jesus called Peter in the first place. It's exactly what happened. So they pull everything in, and then Jesus is such a nice guy. He's got breakfast going on the beach, and so they're all eating together, and Jesus asks Peter if he loves him. He does this three times. Peter, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Then take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And this encounter, it's like, it's as if Jesus was taking the three times that Peter denied him and giving him an opportunity to recommit to showing God's love to people, to feeding them with his word. Peter's past mistakes did not disqualify him from being the rock upon which Christ built his church. And this morning, if you feel that you've disqualified yourself from being used by God, he wants to restore you. He's a God of restoration. He wants to restore your relationship with him. And then he wants to recommission you to love his people. Jesus shows up here to remind Peter what he was called to do. He was already called. Jesus said, I know you like fishing, man, but this is what you're called to do. Love that. Let's go back. The promise had not yet come, but that doesn't mean that the mission was paused Jesus is like, hey guys, let's get back out there, okay? He wants the disciples in the game so that they are ready when the Holy Spirit comes. Right? Let's be in the right place. Let's not miss out on the promise. And although Jesus, throughout his ministry, he empowered the 12 to do ministry before, but here we see in this 40 season that he expands their mission. And he very clearly gives them this mandate. In Mark 16, 15, 
he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The good news is no longer just for the Jews. Now they have to get this message out to all people in every nation. Like that's a big mandate. They're going to go farther than they've ever gone before. There's going to be more disciples than there ever were before. And this was just the beginning because it wasn't just for the 12. We are called to make disciples. And we talk about it a lot. We're a disciple-making community. Why? Because Jesus tells us to be. We are commissioned to go into all the world with the gospel. So even if you are still waiting for direction, the mission doesn't stop. You may be trying to figure out, like, God, what do you have next for me? I'm in this season. I'm in some sort of transition. I don't know. Everything's muddy. It's unclear. What do I do? You don't stop making disciples. How can you serve even while you wait? We are empowered to do this, to live out our mission through the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in Matthew that he will be with us always to the very end of the age. But we understand that this isn't literally like he's not holding our hand because at this point he is now ascending up to heaven so he can sit at the right hand of God. But the Holy Spirit is God who is with us at all times. So honestly, I don't know if this counts as stretching it a little bit or cheating. I'm kind of talking about 50 days instead of 40. So I'm including Pentecost here. But it's important because we said the Holy Spirit is the promise, right? So let's get all the way to the promise. How the did the disciples go from being confused and depressed and without direction to now boldly leading the early church, unafraid of persecution and even death? That's a wild transformation. How did that happen? One, they had an unshakable hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Two, 
they had revelation of God's plan that is found in scripture. Three, they had a clear mandate from Jesus. They were on mission. And the last thing is, they had all of those things and they were ready and they came together and they're waiting because Jesus said, wait, do not leave Jerusalem without the promise, without the Holy Spirit. So they're in the upper room and then all of a sudden they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what gives them the boldness. That's what gives them ability beyond what they can do themselves. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not power to control. It's not power to live out our own earthly desires. It is power to spread the gospel, to not back down from the truth to do whatever it takes to make the mission happen. And we have the Holy Spirit available to us so that we can do the same thing. Some of you guys Really there's a lot of things that we unpacked here. All right? And I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would be speaking to you guys so you know what it is that's sticking out in your heart right now that's burning within you do you need a revelation in scripture do you need him to rekindle that fire and that burden for his word do you need to make a decision today to follow him to understand what he did for you the resurrection is for you. And it gives us hope. And it allows us to live in freedom. And you can have that. Jesus makes it available to everyone. You just have to decide, I'm going to live my life for him. <laughs>